I think I'm most excited about these technologies becoming more accessible. Could AR and VR and um, some of these other technologies that we're talking about become more easily accessible in the way that mobile phones have become accessible? I'm Justin Lokitz from Business Models, Inc., and on today's show, how Rather Mystery, a futurist, storyteller, and mixed reality expert, is helping designers and everyday people visualize the future. The big question is, how might we utilize immersive technologies to provide humans with the ability to perform things they could not otherwise? So, this is uh, podcast number five. So welcome everyone, and uh, today we have uh, Rather Mystery, who's a futurist at Autodesk and a partner at Utopia, uh, where she's imagining the future of slums. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today about, I think, what I'm calling XR, which is everything from mixed reality to alternate to alternate realities to uh, augmented realities to virtual realities. You name it. We're going to talk a lot about that, and basically, you know, providing people with the things that they possibly couldn't do in the in the context of the future of work. So say hi, Radha. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. So I think we have a lot to talk about today, but yes. we're gonna like we're just gonna speed right through it. Um, <laughs> but you know, you've got a pretty big background. You've done a lot and you continue to do a lot. Uh, <laughs> and really, you know, you know, reading through LinkedIn, you know, you've got a background in architecture as well as strategic foresight. You've done everything from sort of city scale, which you're continuing to do today, even giant cities like giant slums in India, all the way down to workplaces and workspaces and interiors. Um, tell us a bit about what you're currently working on. Yeah, um, definitely meandered a bit. I think um, currently, I am a storyteller for uh, um, emerging technologies in the office of the CTO, um, which is Octo, and a lot of that is just understanding where we're headed um, in the future with Autodesk and, you know, really thinking about technologies like AI and machine learning and generative design and AR and VR and how that will inform um, our design processes in the future and the way that people collaborate. Um, and the way that we kind of navigate uh, thinking about user experience in the future. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe when you consider that future and, you know, what you just mentioned, the way people navigate and um, design and that collaboration, how, how do these uh, immersive technologies play a part in that or the augmented technologies even? How does that play a part in your mind in, in these futures? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest piece that I'm seeing right now is that it's changing the way in which we collaborate with each other. It's changing mm -hmm. the way in which the w the manner in which we design. Um, I think right now, you know, technologies like AR and VR are becoming popular because um, they're being used in kind of the front end experiences with customers. They're being used a lot in media and entertainment, but we really see it as an opportunity to change the way people actually um, express their designs, change the way people actually collaborate. Um, so for example, you know, you can have someone a designer sitting in a creating a digital model sitting in Los Angeles sharing that VR experience with someone potentially sitting in London and that person sitting in London can experience what the architect is talking about um, instead of the architect sitting on a phone going let me show you my floor plan right so it's 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 so interesting to me because all of these new technologies are providing us this access to new perspectives that we didn't have before um, you know you can go through a future of factory demo and you know quite literally in a digital world, put your head inside of the machine right. to see how the machine operates. And so I think this there's there's something quite kind of magical in a sense of, you know, 
my actually being able to show you what I am thinking and seeing um, and to ha to actually have access to these other points of view that I never really had access to before. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. You know, I, I, I mentioned before, you know, there's all these different words for things. There's augmented reality and mixed reality mm -hmm. and virtual reality. And, you know, I've been hearing people just call these things all XR because yeah. there's so many What's the difference? Can you give us maybe maybe just give us a quick <laughs> sure. a quick list of like how do you think of these technologies? And, and again, you know, even with some of the examples you just, you just yeah, mentioned. I mean, I so I think um, the biggest distinction really comes between augmented reality and virtual reality. And virtual reality is where you are just completely immersed in a virtual environment. You've got a headset on, like the HTC Vive. Um, you don't, and I think at times that can be a little bit disorienting because you mm. don't have an understanding of the physical environment around you. Um, and so from a kind of behavior and cognition perspective, um, we can really only sit in those environments for a limited amount of time. Um, and then augmented reality is where you have uh, data, virtual data, that is imposed onto the you know, real environment around you, mm. um, kind of the analog built environment around you. And so I think that kind of lends itself a lot more to a greater level of adoption because you're not just sitting in this headset. You still know, you can see what's happening around you. Your, your understanding of space is a lot more accurate. Um, you can kind of see all of the different, you know, light and sound and, and all of that. Um, and that's why actually when we talk about VR and AR, we're seeing a lot more applications for AR in the future um, because it lends itself to, you know, people being able to, to um, people not being as kind of isolated um, and not as disoriented. Um, and, you know, so, so we have case studies and, and research dives where we can see AR being used on construction sites, which are, um, and actually, I think I just heard that the Oculus is has been um, approved for as safety goggles. Hmm. You know, so imagine the implications of that on a construction site. Um, and, you know, where you can have an architect who's designing a building and then the model of that building, the digital version, gets superimposed onto the construction site. And then you can say, I'm seeing this thing on this site or there's a change in the construction process and that feedback gets sent directly back to the digital model, back to the architect who's sitting in their office. Um, and I think, you know, that's so interesting because it's, it's, it's shortening the feedback loops. Right. Um, and it's bridging a lot of the kind of language discrepancies, quote unquote, between um, all of these different fields. Yeah, I think that's I think it's, that's really interesting. I think what you just said is most interesting is that I think uh, what I've seen when you think about this AR thing is, you know, we see lots of people thinking about, OK, it's, you know, instant information mm -hmm. on top of a valve or an engine or whatever the, the part is, or the, the, you know, maybe it's a factory inside of a factory. What you just mentioned is really interesting in that collaboration piece, which is, yes, and there's a collaborative piece because it could go back the other way. You could see something yeah. and perhaps manipulate it in some way digitally that it actually sends feedback. Absolutely. I think the real-time component, um, the, the data piece is what is so important. It's not We're not just talking about these technologies as a means of representation. We're talking about them as a vehicle to transfer data. Okay. Um, and I think that's really kind of, you know, where the future is, is how, how can we connect data in different ways amongst different groups of people um, across, you know, the globe. Right. 
we were talking a little earlier about um, you know AI, but really generative design, and this is something that Autodesk uh, plays in pretty heavily, and, mm -hmm. and and probably owns most of the patents in generative design. Um, is there a place where these mixed realities, you know, AR, VR, so forth, where they actually intersect with this sort of AI generative design space as well? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I can see. Um, so, for example, the Autodesk just did their offices in Toronto in the new, new Mars Center. Um, and that whole office space was created through a process of generative design where they took, I don't know if you had read about this, but they took um, the preferences of all of the different uh, people who would be working in that space. So things like preferences in daylight and, and different noise levels and circulation pathways. And they fed that into an algorithm. Um, and that algorithm generated, you know, something like 10,000 different schemes. And then the design studio kind of rendered that down. But part of that, it, as part of that process, once they got to a point where they had a digital model, they showed that digital model as a VR experience. Um, and they said, hey, guys, this is what the data has shown us. But we want to show you the actual experience that the data is telling us about. Um, what do you guys think being in this space? And so that's a really great kind of um, you know, example of on the in the design process at a very early level, being able to tie uh, generative design and AI with VR in this case. Um, but I can also see, you know, I can also see a a situation where then data from the built piece is getting fed back into the model um, and continuing that feedback loop over time for the next design process. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's really phenomenal. I mean, in many ways, what you're saying then is that you know this feedback loop is it's really allowing even this this idea of agile, mm -hmm. you know, agileness and and you can call it design, you can call it agile, you can call it what you will, mm -hmm. but you can basically con continually prototype and evolve and change things yeah. because you're actually able to see them before they're real and yeah. actually feed things back really quickly. And and the future of work needs to be like that, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're dealing with such massive levels of change that we have to be iterative. We have to be agile. Um, and so if our design processes can keep up with that, I think, you know, that kind of that means that we'll have a role in the future as designers and architects and, and engineers. Yeah, totally agree. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Sure. Um, you did a TEDx talk at Grand Rapids, uh, which is which is really really cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched it a couple times. It's oh, awesome. Thank you. And um, one of my favorite quotes in there, you pulled out a, a Buckminster Fuller, Fuller yes. quote, which is, you know, we are we are called to be architects of the future, not victims. Mm -hmm. uh, when a lot of people think about the future of work, you know, and you, you see the dystopia everywhere, all over the news, which I think is what news is best at, is the dystopian point of view. Yeah, it's all about humans being replaced and so forth, which. We all think, I think, that's going to happen. Yes. And to different degrees. But when you think about your world and what you're doing and, and um, you know, not only the futurist, but the storytelling, but also the things that you're doing uh, as part of Utopia, how might we use technology to help maybe craft new ways to work versus simply replacing humans and machines? You know, how do we maybe use some of this technology to our benefit to help us become architects for our own futures? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest piece is is using technology to create more uh, experiences that are curated for the individual. Mm. Um, you know, and and we're seeing that just in our mobile technology, right? Where my the apps that I have on my phone are very different than the apps that you have on your phone. 
Um, and why is that? Because we have different needs. Now, think about if we can use that kind of methodology for the cities of the future, um, where you know our mobility systems, our healthcare systems, our uh, education systems, even our our kind of digital presence that legitimizes our uh, our existence and our citizenship in a city um, are more individually curated. Um, you know, and I and I think again it comes back to that feedback loop. If we can use technology to understand how to to understand how the city is being used, or understand how a work environment is being used, and then feed that, that back into how is um, how can we better design the city? How can we better design the work experience? How can we better design the digital interface? Um, that's a lot of what we're thinking about it at Utopia is, you know, where, how can we make sure that the citizen's voice is, is apparent and is active and is amplified? Um, and the best way to do that is to use technology, um, you know, and that's kind of what we're really exploring right now. Yeah. That's great. So then kind of going back to that technology, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about some of this technology, you know, especially the, the, the XR te technologies is, and, and when it comes to the future of things? Um, I, think, I think right now the biggest misconceptions is probably just in the way that we're seeing AR and VR and MR being used is that it's primarily for entertainment. Um, and and I think that's great and that's fine. And, and you know, if we look at the history of how, how technologies are evolved, we do oftentimes see them in these kind of, these fictions and these fables. Um, and then people try to think about how do we actually make this happen? Um, and, you know, and I think in the, and, and then there's the other piece as well where people are saying, well, people think that, you know, in the future, we're all just gonna have headsets on. Right, and I'm yeah. sure that you've maybe watched Black Mirror, and <clears throat> there are tons of episodes <laughs> yeah, sure. and tons of stories that really speak to this idea of, you know, everyone is going to become uh, kind of programmed, and uh, you know, we're going to kind of lose sight of ourselves and our humanity. And I feel that, in in fact, you know, I really don't. I really think these technologies are going to help us make choices that will give us a better quality of life. Um, I think, you know, instead of having to take the 9 a.m. bus every day to get to work by 10 o'clock, um, you know, I can imagine a scenario where the transit system is tapped into my calendar and can say, hey, you can grab this bus on your route to, you know, this coffee shop because you really like those coffee beans or whatever it is. Um, and I think it, it allows for, actually, it will allow for more spontaneity in our lives. Um, because it'll give us more choice, but it'll give us more choice that is filtered to our actual needs and expectations. Yeah, makes sense. So what are you most excited about? I hear there's a mm. lot of things that you're excited about, <laughs> and you're all over the place, but I what, are you, what place. are you most excited about? Um, most excited about, I think I'm, I think I'm just, I think I'm most excited about these technologies becoming more accessible for people. Um, for a more diverse group of people. I think, you know, I get to work in some really special contexts with some really great companies, um, but we're sitting in our, you know, in our offices downtown. And, and I think, you know, I think it's, it's really wonderful to think, could AR and VR and um, some of these other technologies that we're talking about become 
more easily accessible in the way that mobile phones have become accessible. And of course, there are some downsides to mobile technology, and I completely understand that. But I feel like, um, you know, I'm most excited about walking down the street and talking to someone who has had that experience in AR or in VR um, that they might not have typically had access to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So reverse of that. Mm -hmm. Lots of things could go wrong and some yeah. things will. What are you most worried about? I am most worried about us um, becoming too dependent on the data and losing our sense our sense of humanity and losing our ability to be creative and imaginative. Um, and I'm finding that a lot in, you know, I sometimes teach um, students at the college level or the high school level. And um, I think they've cut some and I won't say this for all, but I think as a general sentiment, I've found, you know, the sense of wonder isn't isn't there in the same way that it was when I was growing up. Um, when I had a question, I didn't always have the answer to it. You know, you'd have to go to the library to figure it out sure, or like hope sure. that a grown up could make up an answer about it. Um, and now we Google everything. And I think, um, you know, that sense of wonder is and that sense of curiosity and, and the I hope we don't lose the ability to be okay with um, uncertainty. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. So this is all really great. So, you know, if we were to wrap up this podcast yeah. in any way and you have a final point, what would you say? Um, I would say that the future, that we shouldn't be worried about the future of work. Um, I don't think, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I don't think that... Um, it's really going to displace us. I think it's going to augment our understanding of the world around us and the way we interact with people around us. Um, and, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens. Me too. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Rada. Thank this you. This is really, really excellent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>